Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friends. I am super excited to have our guest today. Her name is Paige Geske, and she is a good friend of mine who I met through a Christian Writers Conference. I just got to say her radiant glow of God's love just permeated the room, and it really drew me to want to know more about her. She is a writer and a speaker and has an incredible God story to share with us about the unexpected transitions in life. So hi Paige, thank you so much for coming on here. I'm really excited. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. I'm honored that you asked me to be on your podcast. Yeah, this is just so wonderful that we got to connect and you got to come on here and give your testimony. Okay, well, first of all, I'm currently living in Idaho, but I was actually born and raised in Virginia and lived most of my life, well, my first 18 years of my life in Virginia. I basically grew up in a Christian home, Uh two wonderful parents, one amazing younger sister, and there was absolutely no abuse of any kind in our home, which is not the norm that we unfortunately come across now. But yeah. um, I was born and raised in the South, and so a part of Southern culture is, of course, going to church. You're in the Bible Belt. So I went to church and grew up going to church, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I had that you go to Sunday school, you go to vacation Bible school, learn your catechism in the Presbyterian Church, but unfortunately, back in the 60s and 70s, they didn't necessarily talk about relationship. It was more of a cultural thing. Uh-huh. And so I got through high school, and the last couple of years of high school, I had some pretty low self-esteem. I just didn't feel really good about myself. So I started exercising with a really, really close friend, Monique, and started lifting weights and biking, and basically I started dieting. And the next thing I knew, I was in a full-blown eating disorder, mm-hmm. and I had developed anorexia. Mm. So that was junior year of high school, and I went to college, and if you know anything about people that struggle with anorexia or eating disorders, some of what comes with that is a very perfectionism tendency. And so you want to do everything well, only well, only the best, and you beat yourself up if you aren't able to achieve those goals. And Right. Another thing about eating disorders is there's a lot of control issues. And so here I am in college. I'm living away from home. I have a roommate that she wasn't totally crazy wild, but she was definitely selling promotes her freshman year of college. And I am just trying to get good grades, understand what it means to go to a class of 500 people and everything that's associated with all those changes and transitions in college and mm-hmm. basically just got sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has strategically placed me on a hall and in a dorm 
an all-female dorm, surrounded by Christians. And a lot of those gals just loved on me, and they kept inviting me to this organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I think basically one day I just got fed up and tired of them asking me. I went, fine. Yeah. Now I'll just go. <laughs> I know, right? Get <laughs> off my back. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, if I go, they'll shut up, right? Yeah. So I went, and I just think the thing that drew me in about these people is that they loved me that I didn't love myself. Mm. And, you know, I was truly seeing Jesus in the flesh in these people and seeing how Jesus loved. And so I continued to hang out with them, and they were those people that when I finally decided to eat something, they would go with me to get something that wanted me to eat. Mm-hmm. So long and short of it, after my freshman year, your first security number got put in the lottery system, and I was not in the dorms and had to live off campus. And God put me with a woman named Margie, and she we ended up being roommates in an apartment, and she had had a very spiritual experience and become a Christian. Mm-hmm. several weeks before I started living with her. Mm-hmm. And she just loved me and just really saw that I was struggling. And when I mean struggling, I mean, we're talking, I was eating 200 calories a day. I was studying five to six hours a day, going to class, working mm-hmm. out like a fiend, yeah. walking, driving, riding my bike to school. I mean, just doing everything to remain thin and in control. Right. And so I kind of got to the point where I didn't feel good. You know, obviously I, I felt horrible. Sure. Both physically and emotionally. And I was obviously dead spiritually. So one night she came to me and she goes, you know, I just really want you to go to church with me tomorrow. And I was like, whatever. I got to <laughs> study, you know, I get to work out extra on Sunday. I'm not going to church. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, I just, you know, I'd really like for you to go through this pastor. She's really meant a lot to me. So that night was very, very strategic in that when I look back on that night, I felt like there was a fight that was going on between Satan and God for my soul. Mm. And I remember just having a really hard time that night. It was a lot of spiritual warfare and unrest in my body and so, and I woke up the next morning and determined I'm going to go to the kitchen and get my Diet Coke that's full of protein. Yeah. And <laughs> Nutrients, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I remember walking through a dining room and she had her Bible out and she had written me a note. And the very, very scripture that she had laid out was exactly where my soul was. Wow. And I think it was the first time I saw the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I literally went, okay, I think I need to go to church because this is bigger than I am. Yeah. So I got dressed and we went to church and again, God in his amazing sense of humor, the pastor that she wanted me to hear was actually on vacation. And mm-hmm. so there was another guy preaching, and the sermon was basically on if you believe the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him into your heart, you can live with eternal life mm-hmm. and have a new life. I had never, ever heard a sermon on 
believing and receiving, and that's all you had to do. Right. <laughs> it was perfect Sunday <laughs> for you to come. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, I remember looking at Monty, you know, they did an altar call, and I was ready to go down, and she just looked at me, and she said, you know, don't do this for me. If you do this, you need to do this for yourself, and you need to know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that day, I accepted the Lord as my Lord and Savior, and my life completely changed. And I, you know, I tell people they're like, "Well, you, were you immediately from your eating disorder? Like, how does that work? You know, alcoholics can sometimes be immediately healed and never want another drop of beer. I mean, how do you never want to actually eat again?" <laughs> Yeah. And be healthy. I guess what I realized in that is that I felt like God had to heal me first spiritually mm-hmm. before he could heal me physically. Yeah. You know, I did not go home that day and order dominoes. That did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> However, the Lord really started teaching me how to eat and how to eat healthy and that it was okay to eat, that it was okay to gain weight, didn't have to restrict. Right. And that yeah. you could be seen in his image and how he loves you and what he wanted you to be. Yeah. I didn't have anorexia, but I have a little glimpse of having whatever the number on the scale said dictating my feelings that day. So if that number was higher than I wanted it to be, I would be grumpy and upset it became a huge problem and I started noticing it and I'm like wow my feelings are being dictated by what the number on the scale says and so I actually took the scale out of the bathroom and then when I put it back in I started writing words all over the scale of you are loved you're beautiful you know god's grace is sufficient for you just whatever came to mind i just write it all over the scale because it was one of those glass scales and i could just put dry eraser marker on it yeah Yeah. so i i defeated that one with with god's truth (laughs) that's awesome yeah you don't feel like you always have mental things that you have to fight against. You know, unfortunately with women, there's there's always comparison. I feel like we do that horribly to each other. Sure. But it's just that constantly bringing it back to who does he say I am? Who does Jesus say I am? What right. does scripture say I am? Yeah. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're saying, like you're redeemed, you're loved, you're full of his grace, you're... Mm-hmm. beautiful I mean he he knows every hair on your head and he never sleeps because he loves you so much I mean it's just kind of claiming those things and then I you know I got through college and then I ended up getting married later in life I got married when I was 28 it was a long distance relationship he lived in Oregon and I lived in Kentucky and then he moved to Kentucky and we got married and he had actually married before and had a daughter from a previous marriage, but the mom had walked out when when Andrea was 15 months old. Mm-hmm. And so when we got together, I was like, I don't really want to be a step-parent. Like, I want to flat out adopt this child. Mm-hmm. And so I called her mom, biological mom on the phone, 
and she lives in Missouri, and asked if I could adopt her, and we went through the whole legal procedure, and I officially adopted her, mm. and so started raising Andrea when she was four. Mm-hmm. We met when she was three, and then the adoption was final when she was actually four. And so then we ended up having two children, and Matthew is the name of the man that I was married to and father of my children, and he was just very nomadic. I mean, he just had a hard time staying in one place. He would, you know, get his job for a couple of years and then move on mm-hmm. to the next, and there's just not a lot of stability, but we were able to move around and get jobs, and he went to graduate school and then got his second graduate degree actually from seminary when we were living in Seattle and he applied for a job in Idaho. We moved to Idaho, continuing to raise our family, and then he applied for a job in Montana. I think at that point our kids were five, seven, and 15, and I had a really good job here in Idaho, so we made the decision that he would move to Montana and come back and forth. You know, we kind of have this commuter marriage family, and I would stay here in Idaho and keep some stability. Mm-hmm. So that was a really hard year. That was 2006. Yeah. And then the, the very beginning of the summer in 2007, he was out there, and the kids and I drove to Montana, which is where he was living in Kalispell, and is about 10 to 12 hours from where we live in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And so we drove out, had a week vacation, and on the way back on July 1st of 2007, my two boys, David and Champion, stayed with my husband at the time, and Andrea and I drove back because I had to go back to work, and she had a job. And mm-hmm. We'd been driving for a really long time. I'd been driving the majority of the time, and there were about three hours left, and I just said, hey, Andrea, drive and she was like sure so she started driving and basically about 20 minutes into our drive with her as a driver we she overcorrected and we hit guardrail and crashed wow it was a really bad crash Mm -hmm. and I never lost consciousness Mm -hmm. fortunately we didn't hit anyone else no one else was involved Mm-hmm. When the vehicle stopped in the median upright, I realized I was in the world of pain. Wow. Yeah. So I had a shadow hit, and then I literally had bones sticking out of my leg. Oh, my goodness. Could you see this? And, Did you look down? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And really a lot of chunks of my flesh was missing out of my leg. Oh, wow. I guess the, the way the the car crashed and the metal and the glass it just caused a lot of issues with my legs. Wow. So mm-hmm. but in God's amazing grace and goodness, along that section of the road, the freeway, there's a lot of lava rock because we live in Idaho and there's a lot of lava rock and then there's also this pretty big river called Snake River which runs through <laughs> the middle of Idaho mm-hmm. and other states you look along that freeway, like if it had happened a little farther down, our vehicle would have landed like in lava rock, which would have meant there would probably been a lot more damage right. to the vehicle, but probably to Andrea and myself. Yeah. 
Another possibility was we would have landed in the Snake River. Of course, we had our seatbelts on because at the time, I'm injury prevention coordinator for a hospital. Oh, so you never yeah. don't wear your seatbelt. Oh, right. And if I landed in the river, I would drown because sure. I couldn't have gotten out with a broken hip. Right. Shattered hip. Yeah. So, mm. God's goodness. Yeah. Wow. So then from that, we were about an hour and a half away from where we live. So vehicles stopped and ambulances stopped and we were taken to the closest trauma center. And there were two things when we were crashing. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been in a, in a crash, Jamie? No, thank you, God. I I okay, have not <laughs> been. <laughs> I've I've done little curb crashing, like the curb got in my way, oh, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not a full blown vehicle crash collision. Yeah. Well, good. And yes. Let's pray that never happens to you. Yes. Um, but in this situation, I mean, I just kind of closed my eyes and grip, you obviously grip and grab and hold on for your life, mm-hmm. and I remember hearing shattered glass and thinking, I have no idea, and literally thinking, I'm going to die. Right. And it wasn't that I was afraid of dying, I knew that I'd go and I'd be in the presence of Jesus, but I started praying for my boys, and that God would just take care of them, mm-hmm. and allow them to grow up, mm-hmm. and know him, and then I started praying for Andrea, who was driving, and I just thought, Lord, if I die, I want to make sure that there's somebody here to take care of her, like, have somebody to be with her if I die, or if, you know, I pass yeah. out, or, you know, get a brain injury, whatever, and right. I mean, it sounds crazy, but this is literally what was going on in my head. I mean, this well, is sure. That. I'm sure it was going really fast in your head, but was but Andrea, was your daughter okay? What The two prayers that I prayed were while crashing were that she would, she would have somebody that would be there for her. Mm-hmm. And then the other prayer was that a physician would arrive at the scene mm-hmm. of her accident. So when the car stopped, she was fine. She only had like a scratch and abrasion on her cheek, but she could open her door Uh and get out, whereas my whole side of my car and vehicle, which you can see that pictures in my book, but Mm -hmm. was just mangled, you Mm -hmm. know, just, you know, looked like a pterodactyl had tried to eat it or something. Right, right. Um, And as we were sitting in the car, I heard this voice, I mean, that you heard... You know, has anybody called 911? How many people are in the car? And then I heard this woman's voice and it said, you guys need to let me through. And people were like, why? Why do we need to let you through? You know, trying to take care of these people. And she said, because I'm a physician. Mm. Wow. Instant and it prayer. Was, seriously, it was, it was in the, that moment when I'm literally starting to go into shock in the car. Mm-hmm. And I had lost, they said I'd lost three quarters of my blood. Wow. Out of my open wounds on my legs. Mm. But it was really in that moment that I felt like the Lord just sweetly whispered to me, see, I answered your prayer. You are going to be okay. Yeah. So good. It's like comfort 
from him. Total. Yeah. Yeah. So we were taken to a trauma center, and that's where I saw the Lord answer this in our prayer because we were in the ER, and they were starting to work on me and figure out what to do first. There was a nurse there that I found out later was a single mom herself, and she had a daughter about the same age as Andrea, and she told me later that as she watched the whole story kind of unfold and realized that we were alone and didn't have any family there and that family was very far away, she just said she thought to herself, what would I want to happen for my daughter if she were in the circumstance? Mm-hmm. And so she took my daughter under her wing and just kind of comforted her mm-hmm. and was just there for her and, you know, went and got a brush, got things that were helpful for her to feel like this really didn't just happen, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And that was the second part of me just seeing the Lord's goodness and his love and his way of just saying, you know, Paige, this is, this is going to be okay. I know You're in a lot of pain and difficult, difficult situation, but I'm here and I'm not going to leave you. Mm -hmm. Then, I guess the beginning of the end kind of started to unfold as far as my marriage was concerned. My husband was five hours away with the boys, and instead of coming immediately, like, I've pulled a lot of men, believe me, like, so if this happens, (laughs) how long would it take you to get to the hospital? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, most of them would come immediately, I'm sure. Yeah, and he took 36 hours to get there. So here I am, you know, I looked like a mummy in this bed. I mean, I couldn't walk. I was taped up everywhere. I had a morphine drip for the pain. My daughter is sitting beside me in a, you know, one of those sleep chair things. Mm-hmm. And I am coming face to face with the fact that I'm alone and I've got to figure out how to get through this, you know? So I had friends that drove up. They lived in our town about an hour and a half and they came up and you know, stayed with me and helped me and communicated with my family all back east to let them know how I was doing and when I was going to go into surgery and all that kind of stuff. And and then 36 hours later, my husband Matthew showed up and things just started to unravel. It just felt like he was not there and to be there in my my lowest time. Mm -hmm. And so... I ended up spending 25 days in a trauma center and then about three months in a medical bed. I was in a wheelchair and did have to go through therapy and learn how to walk again. I was in a wheelchair, Mm. a walker, and then a cane. I actually went back to work on a walker. Yeah, things just kind of started falling apart in our marriage. Yeah. It just wasn't good. Mm. My parents had come out from Virginia because obviously my children were 6, 11, and 15, and so I couldn't do anything. So my mom and dad came out a couple times. My dad came out a couple times. My mom came out and stayed for three months until I was able to drive and be able to go back to work yeah. to help me with my kids and to take me to all my therapy and doctor's appointments. I had to have skin grafts, so I was seeing orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, skin doctors. I was having a lot of appointments every week. Right. 
I had always grown up, you just you marry for life, you know. Mm-hmm. You you just stay in marriage and yeah. whatever you need to work through. And but I guess what my parents helped me to see is that I was really being abandoned and I was not being treated well in a very difficult, probably the lowest part of my life. Oh uh, yeah. And I remember my dad sat me down at my kitchen table and he just was like, honey, this is not a marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, this man is not treating me like you should. He should be here. He should be helping you with the kids and being compassionate. Right. He's not. And I felt like that helped give me permission to really look at, should I still be married? Because this was abandoned. Mm-hmm. And sure. so I went through a lot of biblical counsel with pastors, and I go into that in a lot more depth in my book, but, you know, is it okay to get divorced? And mm-hmm. Is this a form of emotional, somewhat spiritual abuse in this relationship? And I realized that it was, and so we ended up getting divorced mm-hmm. in 2008. So then, you know, I'm the single parent, which I didn't sign up for, and he was living far away. He was living in Montana still, so I had to balance being full-time mom and also provider, you know, working full-time, and then my boys were very active in traveling soccer and then a soccer club, local club that we were in, so that was a kind of just a wild bunch of years of a balancing act, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And then, you know, I just, I kept thinking, how is this going to end? Like, I don't want to be that bitter, negative person that you get divorced and 23 years later still talking about her ex-husband or how thoroughly she was treated. Right. And I just felt like, you know, I am going to press into the Lord and I'm going to make sure that I am walking with him and relationship with him daily and that I am obedient, listening to the Holy Spirit and trying to be the best mom and daughter of the King that I possibly can and I'm going to get through this. So good. God just blessed me with very good friends, you know, very good women, believing, praying girlfriends. So I'm very, that was very instrumental and Mm -hmm. then realizing I got to take care of myself, I want to be healthy and you know, I got to make sure I eat right, drink enough water, exercise on top of being a mom, taking care of kids, working on homework, doing laundry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I started doing some things like walking. I've always been a fast walker. I don't like to run. I'm just not a runner. Yeah. You're either a walker or a runner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I have a rod in my leg. So that mm. every time you ruin, you feel that pressure. Yeah. And Ouch. so that that also just kind of cut out running for yeah. me. So I just started doing some like half marathons and then I decided after my accident and set some goals and thought, you know, I I could try walking a marathon. That'd be kind of fun. So mm-hmm. I did that. And then I got into biking and I really liked ring biking and so set some goals and thought, okay, let's do 30 miles. Okay, let's do 45. Let's do 60. We'll 
what's this thing called a century? Oh, that's like a hundred. Well, let's let's try that. Let's do something <laughs> called a century. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So those things have all brought a lot of joy to mm-hmm. my life, just to be able to be healthy and to move. And I think when you've been on the other side of of health and lost your health. Mm-hmm. You truly do not take anything for granted. You are so grateful to be able to walk upstairs, to be able to stand sure. in the shower. You're just so grateful because you know it didn't have to be that way. Right. That I could have had to stay in a wheelchair, but the Lord chose to heal me and to allow me to walk. Yeah, it gave you a new sense of gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then... Like, if those weren't enough things to happen, in 2016, I had turned 51. Obviously, at 50, you're supposed to go in and do colonoscopy. And just the magnitude of turning 50, I just kind of blew the colonoscopy out of the water and went, I think I was all So yeah. um, I went in at 51, thinking I'll just go in for the procedure. But... It was kind of interesting because that year I had been training for my first 100-mile bike ride, and I'm so tired, and I just, I couldn't figure out why I was so tired. Well, I found out, I went in for my first colonoscopy, they found stage 2 colon cancer. Oh, wow. And so, on December 21st of 2016, the doctor says to me, found cancer it's stage two you need to have immediate surgery we need to see if it spread anywhere and i was like are you kidding me yeah wow so i went in and had immediate surgery and fortunately it had not spread to any other organs it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes oh good yeah and i was truly one of those colon cancer poster child people where it was that preventive measure yeah. that is in place for us to have these tests is what truly saved my life yeah you caught it early that's good exactly yeah so in 2012, I had started thinking that I wanted to write a book because of my accident, wondering if it might be a story that would help other people, mm-hmm. and started writing it, and then in 2017 is when I met you. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. September. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you and me met at a release from writer conference that Wendy Walter did in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah. What? Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was so funny because, you know, I'm I'm asking my husband, I'm like, how far from Austin is Oklahoma? I'm like, I gotta go to this conference. He's like, oh, no big deal. It's just a five-hour drive, and he can drive for hours. So he was looking forward to it. He was like, let's just get in the car. We'll go. I'm like, all right. (laughs) And as you and I both know, one of Wendy's gifts is she is truly a launcher. Yeah. And did. and God has given her an ability to anoint you and commission you to that next level. Mm-hmm. And I left that conference, basically felt the Lord say, you need to get this done. You know, you need yeah. to get serious about this and you need to get this 
happen. And so through a series of events and pretty crazy things like positive ways God uses Facebook, as a result of that conference, had landed on a title, and that was Milepost 95, and I got that from reading my police report because the accident actually happened at my office. Oh, wow. Then when we were with Wendy and we had one of our breakout sessions where we kind of sat around the table and talked about titles, subtitle from wreckage to redemption. Mm, I just really liked that. And I I just thought, well, that just kind of depicts what happened. Mm -hmm. There was external wreckage from our actual car accident. But along with that comes the internal wreckage Mm. that the Lord also has to heal. And he takes all of that and redeems it, and it becomes a redemption story for his glory. Yes. Yeah, so I had a title, and then I started looking at Facebook, and I thought, well, I'm just going to start looking at my connections to see if I have any connections in Facebook with publishers or people higher up the book tree than I am. (laughs) And I happened to see this lady who owned a publishing company. And I'm like, okay, I've never met this lady, and her publishing company is called Redemption Press. Wow. That's (laughs) crazy. Crazy. Yeah, hello. God given signs. So, yeah, so I did some research and basically reached out to her and sent her an email and then she called me and then the, I sent her my manuscript and the next thing I knew I had a publishing contract. Awesome. And that was in November of twenty seventeen, right after our conference in October. <laughs> Yes, I gotta say real quick, I remember all of a sudden I saw you on Facebook and it was within months and it was like this book just got birthed and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) I need to get myself going and start writing. Oh my gosh, what have I been doing? Well, you gotta remember she had been writing it for six years. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I ended up having that book. It was birthed in March of 2018. Oh, wow. Birthday. Birthday. Book birthday. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) You'll have to throw a party. (laughs) Oh, I want to hear about your mentor and the worship that you have broken down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, you know, when I was thinking about transitions and how we all go through them, both expect and unexpected and I thought about one of the things that really got me through a lot of my being in a wheelchair being in a medical bed being in a trauma center waiting for the next medication so you felt better was I spent a lot of time worshiping Mm -hmm. the Lord really used music to minister to me and to bring healing to me and to take me to that place where I didn't think about how much pain I was in or when I get to walk at one of my son's soccer games instead of be wheeled across the field in a wheelchair and feel like a major spectacle. And so I I was praying about it one day and I was just like, well, Lord, what about that word worship? And I felt like he just gave me this download of an acrostic. So basically the W in worship stands for the word of God. 
and how important it is when we're going through a transition or something that's unexpected or difficult or a trial to be in the Word of God, that it's the strength that comes from the Holy Scriptures. That Psalm 119.105, that your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. Or Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. So the word is really, really important. And reading it and journaling scripture mm-hmm. was just a huge part of healing for me. And then the O in worship was to be open. I just felt like there were so many times where God said, just be open to what I'm trying to teach you here. Oh, just, good. Um, yeah. You know, I think one of the things I learned that trials are often not to torment, but they're usually an opportunity for the Lord to teach. Yeah. He wants to teach us something, but we have to be open to that, to be able to hear, to be able to receive what He wants to teach us. Right. Yep. And I think one of the biggest things I saw in that was that I am a very independent person, and so I went from doing all these things on my own to not being able to do things, Mm -hmm. you know, I could wash my hair and I could go to the bathroom by myself and I was so grateful that there were a lot of other things that I, I could not do. And, you know, so just, yeah, I felt like one of the ways I had to be open during that time was to allow other people to do things for me and to help me. Well, yeah, I can relate to that because I'm extremely independent and I'm all about, oh, I'll just do it myself, you know, and um, <laughs> and I remember when I was on strict bed rest because I went into labor too early with my daughter. So that was extremely hard just to lay in bed. But because uh-huh. I had a life inside of me that I'm basically saving, you know, by staying in bed, it made me so I obeyed the instructions of the doctor and everybody around me is just like, don't try to do anything. I just remember, though, having that be an extreme struggle because I was just the person that did everything and, and had a hard time asking, like you were just saying. Yeah. Right. And so then the R in worship was for relationships because I learned during that time, like we were just talking about, you went from independence to community where I had to ask people to help me with things. And a lot of the time you would choose to isolate when, Mm, you know, I'm just going to isolate and be my myself until the storm passes or we don't want to burden people. Yes. But I realized that God made us for relationships and that was like both relationships with him and then with each other and that that's what the whole body of Christ is about. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. And so my relationships during that time just really grew tremendously during my recovery time. And one of the verses that really spoke to me was 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. Mm-hmm. And just remembering, you know, all the people that were there for me and yeah. just blessed me during that time. Yeah. And the, yeah. S, the S was for silence. When we're going through 
change or transitions or trials that sometimes our way we want to function is to be busy. You know, if I just turn up the radio or whatever, yeah. I can just like maybe get through this. But a lot of times God just wants us to be still mm-hmm. and to be quiet. And then that that's when we can listen to him and for him. Yeah. If we're too busy and too noisy, we can't be still and know that he's God and that he's the one that needs to be exalted. Sure. Because we're so busy. Yeah, um, it's it's a distraction and it can even become idolatry almost. Like, right. you know, if I keep busy, then I don't need to think about anything else. And, you know, right. you're putting that first instead of God. So, yeah, that's good. And in my rehab, I had a lot of time of being still. And one of the fruits that came from that was I did a lot of journaling. And I was very quiet and really tried to listen for what God was trying to say to me. And as a result of that, a lot of the outlines from my book came from my journals. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little sweet thing that came out of the silence. And then the H in worship. It's the Holy Spirit, that he is the helper. I mean, Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us mm-hmm. to assist us during our difficult times, and he imparted that to us so that mm-hmm. we would have fellowship with him. Yeah. And so it's so important during those trials just to press in the Holy Spirit and allow that fellowship to comfort and bless you. You know, when I was in the hospital with my colon cancer, a lady that I did not even know had made this beautiful Christmas quilt, and it was Christmas time. And one of my friends came in one day with this quilt, and she gave it to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it fits perfectly on this hospital bed, and I don't feel like I'm in a hospital, this is just beautiful. And I thought she had lent it to me. You know, mm-hmm. lent me this quilt. And yeah. I asked my friends, I said, I'm supposed to give this quilt back to Carla, right? And she goes, No, she gave it to you. Aww. And I was like, She gave it to me. And I just remember one night just laying there. And in that stillness and quietness, the Holy Spirit and God just said, Missy, don't you see I have you covered? Just like this quilt. Oh my God. It's covering yes. your body. I've got you covered. Oh, I love that. And so that was just a sweet, sweet thing that came out of a time with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then the I in worship is to be intentional. But, you know, I think a lot of times when we're going through trials and difficult times and transitions, you know, we, we don't think about taking care of ourselves. But right. that's, we need to be extending grace and peace and eating and exercising and sleeping and getting us fluids. So that we can be built up and not torn down. I just know that like last year when I literally went from signing a contract in November to, okay, this book has to be done by March because these are the deadlines. I had to be very intentional. I had to be very intentional in my time management, in my sleep, in my working full time, in my exercising, in my parenting. It was just through being intentional that the Lord allowed me to get something done that he wanted to get done, and that was to get the book written. 
Right. And then the P in, in worship is just being prayerful. But I think sometimes when we're in those places, one of the last things we think about or the hardest things for us to do is to actually pray. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's exactly what God wants us to do. <laughs> that's right. He just wants us to draw close to Him and be in communion with Him. And it's in that closeness and in that communion that we can actually focus and probably get through that trial or transition in a lot better way than we ever thought of had we not been prayerful. Right. You know, when people are like, so did you really pray when you were crashing? I'm like, yeah, what else would you do? Yeah, I yeah. prayed when I was crashing. <laughs> God would be like my first thought in my mind number one in my mind and in my heart as I was crashing for sure yeah yeah because he met me in that you know yeah in that trial of a car wreck God you know faithfully answered my prayers and truly it was the ways in which he specifically answered them and faithfully answered them that strengthened me to get through all those months and recovery because yeah. I remember thinking he answered my prayers he's here with me he is not leaving me he is not forsaken mm-hmm. me right and he will see me to the end of this transition and he is a good good father yeah he is yeah and I love how you got to see little glimpse of treasures all along the way that he was with you and um he was. yeah Oh my goodness. Well, this was an incredible story. I love the transitions in life, but what God gave you with the breakdown of the word worship and how that helps navigate us through the transition. So thank you for sharing what words of wisdom. Oh, you're so welcome. And I'm so happy that you are alive and well and walking. Me too. Yes. <laughs> walking and biking. That's what you're doing, yeah. right? Yes. And kayaking and hot yoga. <laughs> oh, yes. Hot yoga. We were just talking about that. Oh, well, thank you so much. I love reading your book. You listeners, go out there and read this amazing story. There's so much more in the book. It's Milepost 95, From Wreckage to Redemption. And thank you so much, Paige. Do you want to just let the listeners know where they can find you on Facebook or Um, Sure. Well, I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a website, www.milepost95.com, and you can find my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble through my publisher, Redemption Press. I do signed autograph copies on my website. And my new favorite thing to do is I would love to do a book study with folks if, if there's mm. a group of people that decide they wanted to read the book. And then I could Skype in or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could ask me questions, talk about transitions, or pray through people's transitions. I would just yeah. love that. I think one of my favorite idea. things is actually talking to people after they've read my book or read part of it and just really finding out how God spoke to them yeah. and how God is working in their life because that's truly what it's all about. It sure That's why is. we tell our stories. And 
one of my taglines is his story for his glory because I, mm, I love that. got to be a character in his story. Mm. And my prayer is that he just continues to use his story for his glory and the healing and redemption of other people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Awesome. I love that. So good, Paige. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thanks for coming on here and talk to you soon, Paige. Okay, thanks so much, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.